The Beers and Ears podcast is sponsored by Riss and Cal. This holiday season in your search for stocking stuffers, you don't have to be like the Mad Titan, scouring the universe to collect all six stones. Instead, find all the tech accessories you need for your friends and family in one place. Whether it's wireless neck fans for those warm days at the studios, or a waterproof case for when you're searching for that wandering rabbit, they've got an entire assortment. When you go to fourfrills.com shop, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop. Select your items and then use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. Don't forget that proceeds of the purchase go to help nonprofits and a portion of the proceeds help to support the Beers and Ears podcast as well. So head on over to fourfrills.com and use that promo code today to get a jump start on your holiday shopping. Let's start the show. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. There was an idea to bring together 23 episodes of a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that when we needed it, we were ready for the premiere of Black Widow. This is That Podcast. And now for your hosts of the Beers and Ears Podcast, here's Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to day number nine of Beers and Ears Infinity Saga series. My name's Casey. And I'm Matt. Welcome to today's show, everybody. In today's episode, we return to the intergalactic craziness that is Thor in Thor the Dark World. After spending some time on planet Earth yesterday with Tony Stark and Iron Man 3, it's time to take a look and see what the Thunder God has been doing since the Avengers. And I am kind of excited about this episode. Matt, how about you? Uh, sure. Well, maybe not so much the, the movie, but are you at least excited about the show? Oh, I mean, yeah. We get to, yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what I'm talking about. I know you're not as excited about the movie, although I will, I'm going to put this one out there right now that... I did enjoy this movie more than Iron Man 3. Uh, after rewatching it, I, I think, for my personal opinion, it probably gets more of a bad rap than it should. Although, trust me, it's got its flaws. Uh, I, I do feel that from compared to, comparatively to Iron Man 3, I enjoyed this one more. Um, maybe it just goes to the fact that I'm. Uh, I'm a, a Thor fan over Tony Stark. How about you? What, what, what do you? What's your take on that? So first of all, I'm always excited to record. We could be doing the most boring episode, and I'm always excited <laughs> to be on the show. <laughs> so um, it, I, I, I will say there were parts that I forgot that I enjoyed, but overall, it it's a really shallow movie in, 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 in and let, let's maybe start with some of the likes though so what what were the parts that you were like oh I, I, this is the part that I really really like in this movie so first and foremost I have in my notes here that it's kind of the reverse of, of how I felt about Iron Man so where Iron Man I felt was a good the first half of the movie was really well constructed and then it kind of went downhill from there in Iron Man 3 I think in this one, the first 25 minutes of the movie or so is very slow to start. 
And then I feel that it does a really good job picking up. One of my favorite things about this movie was that I liked that we were in Asgard more than we were in the original Thor. The original Thor, it's, you know, it's kind of a fish out of water story, where in this one, it still is kind of like a fish out of water because Jane Foster is in Asgard, but I like that we got to see more of that mythical realm. We got to see more of the city. Um, and I thought that was really well done because I think in the first Thor, that was one of the things that was missing. She didn't get as much of Asgard. It was more Earth-based, if that makes sense. So that's one of my favorite parts. What about you? I mean, Loki is just the greatest in this. Mm -hmm. And this has... Maybe I'm wrong, but the first real cliffhanger at the end that you leave going, I have questions. I have so many questions. And I, I remember that from this film where when it's revealed that Loki is the one that's on the throne, you're like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's Odin? What's What does this mean? Like, like you. Whereas the rest of them kind of have like a the end credits or the ending of the movie definitely says there's more to this story, but not a real like cliffhanger. And I, yeah. I did really appreciate that. Go, my son. Thank you, father. Hiddleston as Loki continues to shine. You know, here we are, uh, four movie or three movies in to him really playing this role, and he continues to shine. Uh, you know, I, I know that the part where they they are they're off to get the the ether from from um, Malachite, and you know, you think Loki has betrayed Thor at that moment. You know, obviously that was a little bit less of a reveal this time than last time. I remember last time going, oh my God, this time I kind of knew that was happening. So I was able to see it through the eyes of the guys, if you will. Um, yeah. For me, for me, I think one of the shining stars in this movie that I absolutely loved was Renee Russo's um, uh, portrayal of, of, of Loki and Thor's mom. I think that added such an emotional element. I loved watching her in the self-care of both Thor and of Loki, Loki being in prison. I loved watching her as the kick butt. She's got the sword and she's fighting off the people who are coming to get Jane Foster. You can definitely tell that she's probably pulls a lot more of the, the levers uh, with Odin than probably Odin lets on. I think Rene Russo does a great job. And, you know, putting that in the context of Endgame, when Thor goes back in time to that day, you know, I haven't seen Thor the Dark World since it debuted eight years ago, right? So now watching Endgame when they go back to that moment in time has so much more meaning to me uh, to, to watch Rene Russo come back and, 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 and comfort fat Thor, basically present day Thor in the moment. <laughs> I, so I, I just feel that she plays that part so well. 
And it was definitely an emotional moment to watch, you know, her. And, and then of course her funeral uh, is, is straight out of, you know, Knights of the round table, if you will, King Arthur Knights of the round table where, you know, she's buried and then you got the, or, you know, that she's on the, the casket and they, they light the, the flame and then she doesn't go over. She goes up. I just, I thought that was really well done. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. I, I'm like you where I had not watched this movie since it debuted eight years ago. Um, so it, it, you know, it was interesting to see some of the new things, but you know, I, I said this movie feels really shallow and I think that's the big part of it. And it's on multiple fronts where the opening of the movie, the opening of the movie is discount Lord of the Rings. It's, there's a really powerful artifact. There's this villain that's trying to use it. A alliance of people comes together and defeats him. And then it gets buried for hundreds of thousands of years where no one will ever find it. Oh gosh, wonder what's going to happen next. And then they, the Warriors 3, so um, Volstagg, Fandral, and, and Hogan are cool characters that feel just very one-dimensional of like, look, we're Thor's friends. And I, I don't know, just... It, it, they're never really fleshed out. And part of it is because they can't be. <laughs> and then they try to do this whole like jealous love interest in Sif, but that's never really developed. And so it's like, wait, is that a thing? Is she in love with Thor? Is she not like, does she care about this? I, I don't, I don't, I, they, they just kind of throw it up there and they're like, Oh yeah, that's not really a thing that we're going to dive into. And then it's not a thing they ever dive into. And so it's like this weird loose end that I just don't understand. Well, I think part of that goes to, you know, something we addressed with the original Thor a couple days ago, which was the love interest between Thor and Jane, the relationship between Thor and Jane was never fleshed out in the first one. They tried to retcon it as best as they could in the Avengers saying, Oh, she was put into a safe house when all this happened. And again, it still didn't feel authentic. And then, so now we're brought into this where it plays a major part in this plot. And it's just, it doesn't feel authentic to me, you know, and, and, you know, some of what you said there, some of the notes that I have here, I have a real problem with the, Oh, it just so happened, dot, 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 that this thing happened. So it just so happens that Jane Foster is the one who comes across this area randomly in London that is a time paradox that allows her to just so happen capture the ether, right? It just, like, they're, they're, again, it goes back to that suspension of disbelief that we talked about yesterday that I felt it's hard to believe some of the stuff, you know, that my, uh, my, uh, the, the main character, Micaiah, I keep saying his name wrong, but you know, I'm about the head elf. yeah, Matt Micaiah, he's just been hanging out for 5,000 years. Where has he been hanging out at? And suddenly he awakens because the ether is just... And then like, I also have a problem with the narrative of how they tell the story. The filmmaker tells the story. So obviously that's Odin telling the, 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 the origin story at the beginning, but who's he telling the story to? Like, is it a bedtime story? It would have made more sense to me because, you know, uh, Thor mentions uh, mentions it midway through the, the the movie, you know, when he's talking to his dad. Well, those are the bedtime stories that mom used to read us. Well, then why didn't you have his mom 
start off the story. That would have made more sense talking to young Thor and young Loki, almost kind of like what happens in Frozen 2 when they're reading the story, you know, about what's going on with the mystical woods and everything. Right? It just, it to me, they missed basic filmmaking 101. Another, this is a real simple one, and, and <laughs> this one drives me nuts. I cannot stand it when filmmakers make the conscious choice to include uh, camera flares and splash marks on their camera. The scene when they're on the boat and they're getting ready to head off to the, the, the interdimensional whatever to where they're going, whoever directed this, I didn't even look it up. I mean, honestly, I, I was so frustrated. Whoever made the decision to direct this made the decision to put splash marks and camera flares. It takes you out of the movie. It makes you realize you're watching this through a camera lens. I don't want to know I'm watching this through the camera lens. I want to know that I'm watching this as though it's actually happening. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. There's some there's some weird – and I, it was a problem I had with the first one as well where, like, they did too many, like, angled zoom-in mm-hmm. shots. I talked about that. Yeah. Like, this is just weird. Like if I'm in, if I'm watching this, I'm like tilting my head and moving towards them. And I, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that are filmmakers that are listeners of this show that are going, no, you don't understand it. And maybe we don't, but just personally, I, I, I agree. It's, it, it just, it just takes, it, it can be done tastefully, but in, in this case, it, it really, it just didn't feel like it. I think to your point about the story being shallow, it does feel relatively shallow. Like again, suspension of disbelief. Really? When you see Thor, you're going to go and slap a God. Jane. Sorry. I just needed to make sure you were real. It's been a very strange day. I am Jane. What? Where were you? Where were you? I cannot see you. I was right here where you left me. Like, really? Like, that, that that like you're literally going to go slap this interdimensional character because you're pissed that he didn't come back to you like to me that it, it i know they were trying to make it emotional but it it was inauthentic in fact i found most of the earth scenes with selvig especially being crazy to be just annoying and don't even get me started on darcy darcy just drives well, me nuts. i was about to say don't even get me started on that i i we're just i get what she is that she's like trying to be the comic relief in this really serious movie. But I find myself going, why are you here? Like, you're not a physicist. No. Like, what are you doing? And then the the intern, what, what was up with her intern? Like, really? Like, I, again, I, it, it doesn't make any sense to me where they where they went with that, and and apparently Darcy's coming back for for Thor: Love and Thunder too, which I'm I'm not thrilled about. I, I think that's uh, annoying. But I, there were there were shining sp- spots. It does, unlike Iron Man three, and this is one of the reasons why I think I can put this above Iron Man three. It does move the narrative of the Infinity Saga along. Where Iron yes, Man it, 3 did not do that. Remember I told you yesterday, I thought Iron Man 3, you could actually completely eliminate Iron Man 3 and it would not affect the saga at all. Where in this case, you've got yourself uh, Infinity Stone and it's it's moving the narrative along. You know what I mean? Yeah, pause. So it's an Infinity Stone that can be just held by Jane Foster? Like, there's no... <laughs> like, like I... I Maybe this was early enough that they hadn't like fleshed out all the infinity stones, but like 
that was one of the things that we'll, we'll see in Guardians of the Galaxy of like these are infinity stones and touching them like consumes you and only powerful beings can do this. And it's like, yeah, this random astrophysicist from Earth, you know, it's just going to inhabit her and she's fine. And well, you, did, you did see, though, what it was doing to her on the inside. Every time someone touched her or whatever, it did wipe her out. So, I mean, I think there was some fleshing of that, but I do agree with you. And in fairness, the ether is the reality stone. So it's maybe, you know less than you know some of the other ones i guess <laughs> but this is the movie that looking back i started to get worried about okay. the MCU because you, this is on the heels of iron man 3 after avengers they have the audience they've got us they can put out any movie they want with any character with any quality and we were going to go see it because we've started in this journey of this story and we want to see how it ends. And so this is when I was like, oh no, are they going to just start mailing it in because they have us as a captive audience and they don't necessarily really care about taking the time to develop the characters and the story and move it forward and all these things, not really giving us the depth that we crave because they have the audience. This movie is going to make a billion dollars. Who, who, you know, who cares? This is going to, we are, we can just print money at this point. And so this is when I started to get like, oh no, I, are we just cursed to watch bad Marvel movies from here on out because they took the time for the first phase and now they've got us. I can definitely see that. And again, on the heels of Iron Man three, which did, make a billion dollars or over a billion dollars. So you have fans coming out of that who trusted Marvel and said, eh, maybe we shouldn't trust Marvel as much as we thought. Iron Man three wasn't as good. So then some of them just don't go see Thor, the dark world. I mean, I'm looking at their box office right now. Thor had uh, 644 uh, million on a budget of 170. It's definitely one of the lower grossing Marvel movies of all time. But I will say that they do a pretty good job of connecting it to the wider universe. I mean, even the, the, the mid credit scene with the collector, right? And, and bringing that, I mean, that is a direct connection to Endgame, to, or I'm sorry, to Infinity War, when, when, when obviously Thanos is going to go and get that off of nowhere and, and, and collects it from there. So I think that this is where we start to see some of the broader tie-ins of some of the broader universe, if you will. It's not just our collective heroes that we know from the Avengers, you know, obviously guardians of the galaxy is starting to come up. That was probably already planning at this point or being planned or even being shot at this point, you know, Feige fight. You're right. Feige had a kind of a fine needle to thread at this moment in time, which was how do we proceed? Because anybody else would have just stopped after the Avengers and said, Hey, we've had a great run. But he wanted to keep it moving. And I mean, my God, we're in phase two. And heck, and, and where we're at now as, as, as fans, we're past phase two, we're past phase three, we're moving into phase four now. So clearly he did something right. But I'm wondering if maybe this could have been a little bit of a shock to him to say, oh, maybe we can't just print money right now. We actually got to put a little bit more work into it. Well, and I will say, I mean, we'll talk about all these movies coming forward, but I, I was thinking this after Throw the Dark World and going into Captain America Winter Soldier, and my fears were pretty much quelled at that point. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm looking at just kind of Wikipedia real quick to look at just kind of the reviews. It's got a 66% approval rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.23 out of 10. General consensus, it may not be the finest film to come from the Marvel Universe, but Thor The Dark World still offers plenty of the humor and high stakes action that fans have come to expect. I will say I did enjoy the scenes watching Loki and Thor together as brothers where, where, you know, and, and, and as a brother, as somebody who has a brother, I felt his pain too. I felt his pain as a brother being betrayed, you know, and not willing to trust Loki. I totally felt that. (sighs) You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. What makes you think you can trust me? I don't. Mother did. And you should know that when we fought each other in the past, I did so with a glimmer of hope that my brother was still in there somewhere. That hope no longer exists to protect you. You betray me, and I will kill you. I think that there were some good spots, but overall, probably a miss, but you can't pull it out because this does tie directly into the movies that are upcoming, you know? Oh, absolutely. And really, those ratings state exactly my feelings about this movie. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. fine. Like, it, it's, it, I don't think the MCU has a truly bad film. Like, just absolute miss. I mean, you could argue we talked about the Hulk, and the Incredible Hulk is maybe the only one. But I think that has so many other factors into it that it wasn't necessarily, like, bad filmmaking. It was, it was just... Made. Before they even knew the MCU was going to be a thing. So I mean, yeah, MCU exactly. That for what it is. Plus, and the Incredible Heart, the Incredible Hulk is a he's a tough character to to just. I mean, with him, it's everyone who's tried it. It's been an origin story, origin story, origin story. He's just a tough character because either you like him or you don't. There's not a lot of in between with him. Yeah, I have nothing else. Uh, how about you? I think I am ready to move on to uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which is tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, by contrast, is seen as a very pivotal moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe by fans, by critics. It is consistently looked at as uh, a linchpin of kind of how they turn the corner to the next phase, especially coming off of these past two movies. So I'm looking forward to, to the winter soldier. I remember I, I wasn't as huge of a fan of it when I saw it in the theater. So I'm really excited to rewatch it this time. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I love this movie. I, I mean, Captain America has always been one of my favorites. So I, yeah, this, this, this movie coming up, I, I, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, <laughs> Well, I would imagine they've probably already seen it, but who knows? So, all right. How do they get a hold of us, Matt? You can email us beersandears1928 at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Beers Ears 1928. If you like what you're hearing, um, if you're an MCU fan that is just loving this, invite your MCU friends to join in on our wonderful journey. Absolutely. All right, with that, everyone, we want to say thank you for joining us. We will see you tomorrow for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Until then, have a great day. See you tomorrow, everybody.